We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com to start winning. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, we're talking about the Nets' four straight win tonight over the Detroit Pistons, 96-90. How are we doing, birthday boy? Yeah, thank you, mate. I've got a feeling we're probably not going to go for 50 minutes on this one. Yeah, probably not. You know, one of the worst quarters that we've probably watched this season was the second quarter of this game. We're going to jump into that and plenty more, but check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Jack, where to begin? Let's begin with the Slim Reaper, Nick, the best player in the game, the leader of the MVP in a, in a lot of MVP trackers, thankfully, or else we would have been rising here as, as Nets fans and Buzz fans. But he started the game, started the first half going 3 of 11, finished the game 12 of 27, and was just awesome down the stretch. Uh, 12 of 27, 2 of 6 from 3, 3 of 4 from the free throw line, 10 boards, 5 assists, had a block, 29 points, plus 20. This is Kevin Durant doing Kevin Durant things. And, you know, it was cool to sort of see him see. I was chatting to Michael Grady after the game. Like, he just knew off the top of his head what his stats were. Uh, we know how smart Kevin Durant is. But I was yelling at the TV when James Harden, anytime he had the ball in his hands, I'm like, give the ball to KD. Yeah. And it worked. Especially late in the game. I mean, like you said, Jack, not his best first half. Just the shooting touch was slightly off in this one. A couple, you know, just turnovers where he wasn't fully locked in on the play just kind of tossed them up and the defenders were able to grab them but in the second half was able to lock back in hit the shots when the team needed it and that's exactly what the nets needed because james harden was not good tonight a lot of other guys had issues scoring they weren't really able to generate a ton of offense the refs were letting them play along with a lot of physicality in this game so kd was essentially a savior in this one in a game that the nets probably didn't need to let get this close no, and I think that some of that was Steve Nash with some of the lineups he put yep. out there. And some of that was just having the ball in James Harden's hands and him yep. just being just slow and inactive in, in and a lot bad of possessions. That horrible, horrifically defensively. I mean, he hasn't been good defensively this season at all, apart from many stretches that we've alluded to. But 
yeah, thank God for Kevin Durant. You know, it's unfortunate that it had to be in 37 minutes. And as the Nets head on a, a pretty deep road trip, I think they're deepest of the year. Yep. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back. And they've got a couple of back-to-backs coming up as well. But if you like Kevin Durant, somewhat fit and healthy, Nick, you're going to be decent enough there. He's just, he's, he's Steve Nash in game five. You know, we're all the Nets fans where you just give him that big goddamn hug. Just thank God for, for the Slim Reaper. Yeah, I mean, that last layup he got over Isaiah Stewart, there was a ton of contact. He still finished that. That was a tough take. I mean, like you said, Jack, and, and at the end of the game, when you're in these close matchups, you just feel extremely confident the Nets are going to be able to come away with it just because they have Kevin Durant. Like, he just can get you a bucket against anybody good or bad defense. It doesn't really matter, even on a night where he wasn't playing his best basketball. Yeah, there, were, there was a lot. It was a physical game, and some of it was poorly officiated. Some of it was just... You know, Bruce Brown, you know, benefited from a little bit. Yep. So did Cade Cunningham on Kevin Durant a couple of times. It was cool to see Kevin Durant go, all right, Rook, uh, I'm going to get angry here. I'm going to hit the bucket. And I'm going to let you know about it. Yeah. Um, it's cool to see Kevin Durant do that thing. And then after the game, they dapped up, and, and that was fun as well. You know, mutual respect. Cade Cunningham probably had his best game, which was which was nice to see. Um, and the Nets win, thankfully. It would have been less nice to see if he had, you know, led the, the Pistons to an upset win. But, yeah, uh, there was just... Mid-range jumpers, fadeaways, the one-legged runner was probably one of his best shots of the yep. night as well. He's that really, really tough layup in transition. Yeah, really tough layup in transition. You know, there was just uh, buckets of plenty for Kevin Durant tonight. And he's he has he's playing with a purpose. He's playing with a real purpose. And James Harden could learn a thing or two from him. Yeah, and I think even defensively, too, there's constantly an impact from him, even on the boards, always trying to make sure he puts a body or tries to tip to pass. So KD... Like you mentioned at the start, Jack is playing at MVP level on a night that he didn't play. Like I mentioned, his best basketball, still easily the best player in the Nets tonight. Easily the best player in the world as well. You know, yep. to go three of them in the first half and then go nine or sixteen in the second half. You know, it just shows that he's he's a hooper. He's just not going to let anything phase him. And yeah, like you sort of alluded to, Nick, there was probably four or five shots which is like those are in and out. Those are like slightly long. Um, it was him. It wasn't the, the Pistons' defense. It was just Kevin Durant missing. Um, and, the, you know, his rhythm and his flow was certainly on. It's just that sometimes you have those nights. And, you know, he still finished with a pretty efficient night. And I think he shot 60% from the field overall this season. That, that percentage might go down just a tad tonight. But he's been absolutely marvelous this year. Yeah, you know who feels like never misses is LaMarcus Aldridge again. 16 points, 6 and 9 from the field, 4 4 from the free throw line, 5 rebounds, 1 block, 0 turnovers. Just LaMarcus was clutch in that fourth quarter. He hit a lot of tough shots, and it's just like you feel like they're all going in. I'm pretty sure him and KD combined for all 18 points, or at least 16 of the 18 points that they scored. So without LA and without KD, the Nets would be sinking. And he yeah. was just. Marvelous. And there were some passes to him which weren't totally on point where I'm just like, okay, he's probably going to miss this one. That Patty Mills pass, you know, was a little bit off, but he just yep. made it look so smooth and rhythmic. Um, it's absolutely gorgeous. Six and nine for him tonight. He hit all four free throws as well. Five boards. Uh, had a really nice block as well. Um, he's been super duper important for the Nets. Um, and Blake Griffin was important as well throughout stretches of the night, especially in, in that fourth quarter, taking the charge, a little bit of physicality and stuff. But yeah, LA was, was just big, absolute money. 
And good call, Jack. It was all Katie Lamarcus Aldridge in the fourth quarter, which is kind of crazy considering there are other talented players in this team, James Harden, Joe Harris, Patty Mills. And, you know, these guys were huge. And even Lamarcus kind of has been huge this entire season because, you know, James Harden, who didn't play well and other guys didn't have their best games, are able to rely on Aldridge to give them 16 points and give them timely buckets, like you said, Jack, because when you're a big and you have to kind of reach for the pass and then like relocate yourself, it's so much tougher to hit those shots. Like you mentioned, and he just made it look easy. It's just like a flick of the wrist for him. I mean, I wish I could shoot the basketball that way. I'd yeah. kinda, I I almost want to see like a Kevin Durant, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, like mid range horse game, like only mid range. Yeah. It's like Stephen Clay in like a three point shooting contest. Yeah. And it'd be the same sort of thing, but you could just tell that like he, he what he's like 78 percent or something from mid range this year. We, I think it, the numbers are only going to increase with the way that yep. he keeps playing. And the, 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 that baseline, that first baseline jump, I'm just like, dude, like that is tough. Yeah. Really tough. Like normally he, he, the Nets like to get him into some positions that are comfortable and, and around a decent sort of, you know, trajectory but that was just a really tough jumper and then he takes like a dribble pull up and where it's just like he had the open jumper but he sort of was showing off a little bit on Isaiah Shewitt. I yeah. think the Nets had a bit of a, um, a, a bit of a vendetta to Isaiah Shewitt tonight but yeah absolutely incredible LaMarcus Aldridge and uh, c- continues to solidify his case as a six man of the year contender uh, in a big way. Yeah and um, he probably missed his easiest look of the night he had like that not even mid-range it was like a close shot and instead of just like taking one dribble and dunking it he kind of just shot the ball hit the back iron but another thing for Aldridge had the block in this game had the big deflection as well definitely utilizing that size like we talked about in the Hawks game and just provides them that true big presence down low offensively defensively so again LaMarcus has been huge this season we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? 
you won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Jack, you kind of mentioned Blake Griffin had a ton of big moments in that fourth quarter. Always plays with the extra energy when he returns to Detroit. 13 points, 5-8 from the field, 1-4 of from three, 2 of 2 from the free throw line, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, and 6 fouls. But I also believe he was able to draw two charges in this game, which felt like they were huge. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to be, you know, the masseuse for Blake Griffin or the acupuncturist sort of it because they would have a tough job getting yeah. out the nukes and crannies for Blake the amount of time that he sort of spends on the floor. And with you, of course, he's just a really smart player because he doesn't have the athletic pop that he used to. So his rim protection isn't going to be there. So he's just taking goddamn charges and being an absolute nuisance to yeah. Isaiah Stewart. That little moment there, I was just like, okay, look, Blake did some wrong here. But Isaiah Stewart's like clearly I didn't understand the double text sort of thing. Oh, yeah, thought, he's definitely instigating. Like I get the double text, but then I think Isaiah Stewart gets another tech. Like he's definitely trying to create a fight with Blake Griffin. Like, I mean, if you're gonna stand over somebody, they're gonna try to get up and you're not gonna move. Like, what do you expect is gonna happen? I feel like that was something where I was just like, okay, definitely seems like Blake is getting the short end of the stick here. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. And look, we might be a bit biased. I've got a few Pistons fans at the time. I'm like, Blake Griffin was pulling Isaiah Stewart down. It's just like, yeah, but that's just like a normal foul. Like, and then Isaiah Stewart that, threw him when he was getting pulled down. So it's just like. Yeah, so it's a little bit of a wash. But look, it didn't really affect the game because, you know, it allowed the Nets to put LaMarcus Aldridge out there, which um, has always been effective for them in the fourth quarters. And, you know, 5-8 from the field, 1-4 from three. I'm still always no, 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 yes when he does hit them. You know, 25% tonight, so an increase on his probably season percentage overall. Got to the free throw line a bit, had a couple of dimes. And it was probably just that fourth quarter that stands out because there were still moments from Blake which was like, mm. the steal and slam was great. I, yep. I thought that was awesome. He didn't really get up much. He yeah. sort of just like, it was like a, a lay-in dunk, if that makes any sort of sense. It's like a drop-in almost. Yeah, yeah. Look, for a guy that's six foot ten, it shouldn't be that hard to jump for him anyway, so... Look, uh, he was important, and he had his moments uh, where, you, where we needed him to step up on both ends of the floor. That tap-out uh, rebound as well was, was huge. So just the little moments from Blake, um, and we just need those from him because sometimes when it comes to the offense, it's just like, man, like you said at the start of the game, Nick, like, really, Blake Griffin and James Harden pick-and-rolls? It might be the easiest and slowest pick-and-rolls and, rolls and <laughs> easiest to defend pick-and-rolls that I've ever seen. Both of these guys... Have lot have no athletic pop right now, and they're still working themselves into some form of conditioning. Yeah, that really is the case. I will say a couple positive signs for Blake in this game. We saw a couple layups, like we touched on, I think, in the Hawks recap of just like he needs to occasionally take advantage of the free opportunities at the rim. We saw that a few times tonight. You know, like you said, it wasn't anything super aesthetically pleasing, but just to kind of keep the defense honest in some situations, he's definitely still trying to find his rhythm. Interested to see how his body kind of feels throughout the rest of the regular season. And also, does the three-point shot come back to something that's just at least mediocre? Yeah, that'll be probably the biggest indicator of what that three-pointer looks like because he gets a lot of kick-out passes. Bruce got a couple tonight, but he actually looked a little bit better. It's probably going to be both of those guys. are going to be Katie Perry, hot and cold um, from the perimeter in that respect. So, yeah, obviously the Nets in another space, and we know who that spacer is. We'll touch on him a little bit later on in the pod after we recap the game. But, yeah, Blake is – he's given us some moments, and the moments have been important. So I can't you know, totally 
hate everything that's going on. But oh, if, if he gets rested again, wouldn't mind Millsap getting some solo big minutes because it's barely happened this year. Yeah, I think also, I think Blake just needs to get his minutes probably cut down. You know, last year we really didn't see him play high minutes until the playoffs. It was really just like a lot of 20-minute games, 24 minutes. Tonight, 27. We've already seen him kind of hit 30. You know, there's an opportunity, I think, to play Millsap with the starters a little bit. We mentioned that, I think, in a previous show. Just kind of feel it out and see what he can do. They have similar skill sets, and I think there's a couple more pluses that Millsap can bring when he's playing with stars instead of in a situation in which we saw the bench unit where you're kind of asking Millsap to create or, you know, be a better player than he is at this point in his career. Yeah, because in those bench lineups, he's the second best playmaker alongside Paddy Mills. Like Javon yeah. Carter is not a good playmaker in any stretch of the imagination. And we sort of saw tonight, Nick, that it was you know, we talked about you know against the Hawks that the bench lineups was able to get some stops and get out and transition and get some offense there. That didn't happen tonight. They they got stops. Yeah, they they limited the Pistons from scoring. But every single bench player was negative in the plus-minus. Every single starter was positive in the plus-minus because of largely because of that third quarter run uh, as well and the fact that they were able to get off to a decent first quarter. Um, the bench just, unless your name's LaMarcus Aldridge, the bench just didn't have it tonight. Yeah, I think it's strictly that lineup that we saw of Carter, Patty Mills, Bembray, uh, Millsap and LaMarcus Aldridge. Like you said, it doesn't have enough creation. It doesn't really have enough scoring. It doesn't have enough offensive pop. Yeah, defensively, there's some good things. But, like, I think at the very minimum, if you're not playing the stars, you need to have, you know, Patty Mills, Joe Harris, and LaMarcus Aldridge out there. You know what I mean? At least three positive offensive guys. And even still, you feel like the creation probably isn't there. Maybe you can use Millsap a little bit more with dribble handoffs with Harris and Mills kind of both running off ball. But this is where you really miss Kyrie Irving. And this is where you really miss not having a true backup point guard because Javon Carter is not that guy. And Patty Mills is kind of more of in that scoring mold. So it's like they don't necessarily have that guy that can run the show for the second unit. And it would be a nice luxury to have with James Harden not playing his best basketball at the moment. You know, ideally, a la Spencer Dinwiddie, but he's obviously not here. Yeah, exactly. So it will, it's going to be fluctuation points throughout the year. And I mean, tonight it just didn't work. And we'll, we'll see how, how did the Pistons do. They played pretty damn hard. Yeah, no, definitely. Home night, uh, home home crowd, you know, heading into the weekend and stuff. So, yeah, there was a, it was a feisty crowd and everything. Yeah. Uh, I guess let's talk Joe Harris. You know, not anything crazy for him this game. Seven points, three of six on the field, one of four from three, five rebounds, two assists, one, zero steals, and one foul, zero turnovers. You know, just not a crazy game for Joe, but not a bad game either. You know what I mean? It just He just wasn't very involved offensively. I think the Pistons did a really good job of running him off the line. But Joe didn't necessarily make a ton of mistakes in this one either. And I thought he was good yeah. defensively and rebounding. Yeah, I thought he was good in the first quarter especially. He was fine. Yeah. Um, he wasn't amazing. Um, but he, he he wasn't below average. Um, it was nice to see him take some of those those mid-range jumpers and yep. and, and a few you know twos. Um, and, and they were good. I think that... They look good too. The fact, they did. They looked really smooth. So the fact that he's hitting those gives him an out and he's, he's seeing the ball go through the basket. It's just like, cool, I don't need to drive to the rim every single time. I've got this open 15-footer from the elbow. So that is positive. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's like we talked about. It's just a little element he needs to add to his game just to keep the defense slightly honest, just something else he can have in the bag that he feels comfortable doing until you know the offense can consistently generate those open looks. And I don't think it's a coincidence. You know, James Harden plays really poorly. Joe Harris doesn't get as many open threes. Yeah, it's pretty simple. James Harden, Nick, his night tonight, 36 minutes, 3-10 from the field, all of those three-pointers, 4-4 four four from the line. 
did have 10 boards, did have 10 assists, did have two steals and a block. He filled up the box score. But to me, this was one of the worst James Harden games, as a Brooklyn net, maybe. Nine turnovers, too. Yeah. Yeah, just those bad boys. Yeah. Almost got, uh, you know, the, the quad double there. But, uh, I mean, ah, man, it was just rough to watch for Harden. He had that really crazy play where he was just, like, watching the ball roll, and then Sadiq Bey grabbed it and got the easy dunk in transition. It was just like, man, what what is going on with James Harden? And he just didn't seem fully locked in. And energy-wise, just wasn't high defensively. Just a lot of mistakes in this game. And it was just kind of strange to almost watch. Yeah, it was really weird. Something was off. Yeah. Um, it just seemed to me like I was really frustrated by his game because he'd bring the ball up and get to like you know the perimeter at, with like 16 seconds on the shot clock, would fail to make any actions or make any decisions to just dribble the basketball to like 10 seconds left in the shot clock and then force like, okay, well, what's going to happen now? We've only got 10 seconds to get into any form of set. It was yeah. just super slow, lackadaisical, not engaged and... Hopefully it's not an indicator of, of um, his form going forward, but he's certainly been inconsistent this year. He's working his way into it. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, the three ball is, is the best thing about his game right now. Yeah. You know, the step back looks pretty smooth. You know, some of the catch and shoots that we saw in the in the Hawks game. But outside of that, you know, his, his game just is not on. He's in poor form. Um, and hopefully on this road trip, we see him... You know, get some confidence and, and work his way into it, get some conditioning and all those sort of things because we can't keep relying on Kevin Durant. Um, hopefully James Harden can. We can just get one of those vintage James Harden games. I don't foresee it happening any time in the near future just because he he's, he's at the rim percentage. I think he's somewhere in the 40s, I think Matt Brooks said, whereas last year was in somewhere in the early 60s. So, you know, his finishing isn't great around the rim. He clearly doesn't look confident there. He's still sort of, he got the offensive foul where he, Hooked to Josh Jackson's arm, I think it was, or, or yep. Corey Joseph, someone else's. So, yeah, let's just hope James Harden gets back to the James Harden we know he can be, because if Kyrie Irving continues to be out, that is likely going to be the case. The Nets are going to need him, and we need him to step up. Yeah, and mainly, too, is because we need him to be better because it helps the other guys. You know, we mentioned Joe Harris, Bruce Brown. Like, guys play better when they're with James Harden, and he's playing at a high level. And I think, like you said, Jack, three balls is the only thing to really be happy about. Three of five and two catch-and-shoot threes in this game. He hit only hit one of them, though. And then also the step back, you, it looks smooth. Like, that's just something in his game that still looks smooth. It's the other aspects. I think he's also, like, caught in this in-between sometimes of trying to draw a foul instead of just, like, trying to make the basket. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like when he goes to the rim with a purpose to make the shot, he gets free throws. But when he's trying to draw the contact, it's when the refs are like, no, 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 even if it is a foul. But I kind of understand the mindset from the refs, and you just hope James Harden does too. And also, I think there's just like an element of exhaustion with this game. I don't know if his conditioning is that bad, didn't get rest before, or you know maybe he's mentally fatigued thinking about something else. It was just really poorly on a lot of different levels. And it just the main takeaway was like he just wasn't locked in. No, he wasn't. Um, and his best player of the night for me was when he actually took a purposeful quick drive, dumped off to Blake Griffin for a layup. That yeah. looked like, okay, cool. It was sort of reminiscent of the Hawks game where he was driving relentlessly and kicking it out to the shooters. And just like, he barely drove tonight. And I think that with some of the fouling stuff, you know, he, yeah, it was a, a, a bad game for James Harden. And, you know, we want and hope that he gets back to the, the best version of, of the beard. Um, and there's full hope and confidence that he can be. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll put this one behind him and hopefully, you know, bounces back against the Raps. 
Yeah. And I think one word that just popped in my mind, no urgency. You know what I mean? That's what it was. I think early from that first quarter where you had the, the lap and uh, Grant was able to block it from behind, like just a little bit more pop in your step. And that's easy two points. And I think that's the case for a lot of different plays. But I guess talking Bruce Brown real quick, 10 points, four or six in the field, two or three from three, one rebound, one turnover, two fouls. Not a super impactful game from Bruce. I thought defensively he was good, but didn't necessarily feel him a lot offensively. Kind of was in the corner a, a good amount. I mean, he shot the ball better than Kevin Durant from three, Blake Griffin, <laughs> Joe Harris, everyone else, Nick. So maybe we've got to give the, the man some juice. Uh, he's due. Um, I, I like that he, he continues to take them. You know, yeah. I, I feel more confident with Bruce Brown and Dondre Bembry with the ball in their hands in the perimeter than, than Blake Griffin, to be honest, at this point in time, because... They don't overexert it. They don't force it. It's just like, cool, this is what the offense is giving me. I'm getting a corner three, which is the easiest three to take. I'll take it. Um, and no matter where he's taking that three, he's going to look at the opposing bench. Yep. He, he hits it in front of you know the Nets bench, which I think he did in one of the threes. He's still going to look at the, the yep. Pistons bench. Um, love Bruce. But I, I think that he, he had his moments. Um, uh, obviously, the rebounding wasn't great. You know, but a, a tough assignment because I think Cunningham's a, a little bit bigger than him. So, like... I don't think that those matchups totally suit him individually. You know, the, the sort of taller guys, I think that's probably more for, for Bembry. He's probably better on the guards like your Trey Youngs and, and those sort of types. But I still think he had a positive impact. Yeah, I didn't think he was bad. He was a solid role player. He was plus 20, uh, plus 16 in this one. So, you know, not an amazing game for Bruce, but not a bad game by any standard. And again, kind of a guy that's correlated almost to James Harden. But Jack, who else do you want to talk about? I mean, we can get to just the rest of the guys as a cohort, Nick. Paddy Mills, Javon Carter, DeAndre Bembry. I think that DeAndre Bembry continues to just endear himself to, to Nets yep. fans and, and opposing fans alike. Because you sent me an article by Christian Winfield and uh, of the New York Daily News. And was it 23% yeah. um, uh, keeps opposing offensive players to in terms of when they're taking and they're opposed to DeAndre Bembry? He's an absolute menace, uh, an absolute weapon. And, you know, the, the three ball, when he's hit them, they've just splashed. Yeah, um, I like that he takes them. You know, he's just like, cool. I'm, I'm gonna be confident. I, I just love the mentality. You know, you can just tell that. You know, you, know, you, you compare him to like a, a James Harden. You know, DeAndre Bembry. You know, every he's gonna play probably around you know 15 to 20 minutes a night. There might be matchups where he he plays a little bit more. But you are gonna get engagement and a locked in mentality no matter what. That urgency that you're calling for. Um, there's almost too much urgency for DeAndre yeah. Bembry. It's about reeling it in a little bit. You know, the, I think that uh, a clip that was going around that Matt Brooks shared in, in one of the threads that he did um, was the closeout that DeAndre Bembry had on the perimeter at the Hawks. It's just like, he is a, a, he has all defensive talent. Like, he's not going to be there because he's not he's not Matisse Thibel. He's not going to play uh, enough minutes. But he has all defensive talent. And he might have overtaken Bruce Brown as being the more impactful, positive defender just because he's got a bit more size. And I think that's probably the only thing that w that works in his favor. Um, so, yeah, just I love what DeAndre Bembry continues to do for this team. Yeah, and I think off-ball defensively, he's a little bit more impactful than Bruce, like playing the passing lanes a touch. Um, but like you said, the three-point shot is looking pretty good. I mean, maybe there's some hope he can shoot in the 30s this year. You know, not at a ton of attempts, but just occasionally knock down that corner shot. I mean, it's not something that I would be surprised just based off of how we start the season. And typically, you know, it can be a confidence thing for a guy who hasn't really shot well. Definitely. Who do you want to get to next? 
Uh, well, I guess we could talk Patty Mills. You know, I think I jinxed him in this one. I said to you early in the first quarter when he hit the first two shots, I thought maybe this would be a game Patty Mills kind of pops off, especially given, you know, Harden and KD start a little bit slow. But two of eight from Patty, one of four from the three-point land, uh, four rebounds, five points. Nothing too crazy in this one for Patty. Four assists. Four assists. Oh, four assists. No four, sorry, sorry, Jack. Yep. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've got to, if I don't get it right, then who, who is going to get it right next? Um, <laughs> In all honesty, maybe I jinxed it with a bit too much Patty Love on my birthday. You know, I got a, a cool T-shirt from um, a long T-shirt from my mum and dad uh, that had a bit of a Patty Mills face on. I'm hoping to buy some more stuff. I got the notification ready for when the City Edition stuff drops, but he wasn't horrible tonight. You know, he's. I think that what Patty has said before is that he, even if his shot isn't falling, he wants to do the little things to be impactful. You know. The PB and J get the hard hats on, and you know he still did a few little things there. And again, those four assists, you know, it's whenever he's with Lamarcus Aldridge, he just knows where he likes his spots, and it's probably something that will keep repeating because it's what we keep seeing. So that I, it wasn't an awful game from him, but I think that when the, the there is an increased, you need more out of Paddy Mills with those sort of you know five those uh, all bench lineups. If you have a Joe Harris, it, it allows the spacing to be more positive for both of those guys. And also, Joe is okay off the dribble and drive. We saw it tonight. We've seen it, you know, in previous seasons. That he'll take a mid-range jumper if, as long as it's not, you know, the mostly straight line drive. He's better than Javon Carter. He certainly is. So, like, look, uh, I guess it leads us into to JC, Nick. It's uh, it, sh- Surely it's killer cam time sooner rather than later, isn't it? Because he's still... He, He's just still doing the things that make you frustrated, which is like, dude, why are you taking this mid-range pull-up? Like, uh, why are you over-dribbling the ball? Just make the quick decision, stick out on the perimeter, hit the threes or whatever. Like, come on, man. Yeah, it's like he's trying too much to be a point guard where he's really not. He just has the point guard body. You know, we talked about in the offseason, he's more of that 3 and D type player. Like, let him, you know, be off ball and not really get a ton of touches. I think that'd be the best case. But given the situation, it's like, I don't know if the Nets are asking him to do more or if he's just trying to take on that role. But like you said, you know, this would be a situation where maybe Cam Thomas, I don't want to say could excel because he's a rookie and he has to do it. But there's a desperate need for scoring this lineup. And Cam is probably the only capable bench guy of being able to create so much on his own. Like you said, you don't want to put that type of pressure on Patty. He's more of that secondary guy in an offense or playing off of somebody. Cam Thomas could be a guy that could come in and possibly just kind of create some things or take advantage of some of the open looks that Javon Carter does get because there were times in this game where he had open shots and he just didn't take them. Yeah, unfortunately, the Nets don't have Mike James to increase the offense <laughs> off the bench. I, I think I'd rather see Mike James than Javon Carter. I'm not sure, though. Uh, well, wait, there's a take for you. There's, you clip it out, put it on the Blue Wire Network, wherever you want to throw it. Uh, that's gonna, probably going to get a little bit of traction for sure. But, yeah, Javon Carter's not in good form. Um, and like you mentioned, it'll be interesting to know, you know, behind the scenes, what is the role that is being asked of him. Because when Paddy Mills is out there, you got your ball handler. Just be, you know, a, a second, a, a really, really tertiary playmaker, like a Pat Beverly type. You know, when it's D'Angelo and, and Pat Bev out there, it's like, cool. You know who is the playmaker. You do the little things. You do your defense. And, like, he's still been good defensively this year. I'm not doubting that. It's just that, look, Benbury's been better. He's been the worst offensive player by a considerable margin at the same time. 
Yeah, I would say so. I mean, him or James Johnson, who hasn't really played. And I think part of the problem is is that Patty Mills is more of the type that doesn't really over-dribble at all. Like, he just, like, pass the ball, keep moving, kind of just cr- kind of create motion, just very Spurs-esque. And some of the other Nets, I think, need more of that creation, especially with that group that we talked about of Carter, Mills, Bembray, Millsap, and Aldridge. There's just not enough pop there offensively to make the defense nervous in any way. Yeah, hopefully Steve Nash doesn't persist with that to uh... – an annoying degree, but I've got a feeling that in that Raptors game, we'll probably see it again. And hopefully we get better results from it. You know, I'm not discounting that it can be effective like we did see in the Hawks. It was able to get some transition opportunities, fast break points, but that didn't happen tonight. So unless that, that, that is going to happen. And I do also think that to give Steve Nash a little bit of credit, he called some good timeouts. He stopped some yeah. runs a little bit more that, that we have seen previously. But, you know, that iteration of a, a five-man core uh, is not the most effective, to put it lightly. Yeah, I think there just probably has to be more staggering with Harden and KD. You know, maybe less minutes for them together, just so that lineup can have some pop. Or like we said, maybe even just try it out with Joe Harris and, like, honestly, even Blake Griffin, who does is happy to dribble the ball a little bit, kind of set things up a touch. So, I mean, that's probably the only really, like, red flag, I think, for, you know, Steve Nash in this game. I can't really think of many things he did terribly in this one other than throw that lineup out there. I mean, but it did almost kind of, I don't want to say it almost cost a game, but it definitely allowed the Pistons to get back in the game because you saw this lineup in the second quarter and you saw it in the fourth quarter, both the worst quarters for the Nets. Yeah, absolutely awful course. I think the Nets, they, they didn't score for the first three minutes and a half in that second quarter. So, like, it felt like the offense... For the whole quarter. <laughs> Yeah, and that was just completely, completely off. You know, the Pistons went on a, a, a 10-2 run over like a two-minute stretch when, when it was about three or four minutes left in the game. You know, the Nets were like 5-15 from the field. You know, that last quarter, look, just let's just put it this way. that If it wasn't for that third quarter, the Nets clearly would have lost. And, yep. you know, they had a 39-point quarter where they, was at, they had like a 39-point half as well. Yep. So it's... It just shows you that they're still figuring some stuff out. And I think it's coaches. I think it's players and everything. And ultimately, the main thing that does matter is the Nets are now 6-3. and three. You get the W. You go against the Raptors, who I think are going to be a frisky lineup. I think that their athleticism um, is going to be interesting how the Nets counter it. Yeah, they have some really good defenders over there, too, and just some guys that kind of want to prove themselves, and they've been playing well. I think they've been, I don't want to say one of the bigger surprises, but definitely surprising to some people how well they've started off the season with Siakam being banged up. Yeah, they're, you, you've got Adrian Anobi, you've got uh, Scotty, Scotty Barnes, Fred Van Vliet's a, a great guy. They're just defensively going to make things tough. It's almost just like a more talented version of this Pistons team in a lot of ways. So, yeah. And the Nets had a lot of trouble tonight against the Pistons. Some of it was self-inflicted, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Nets do deal with uh, some of the rap strengths. Yeah, and it's an early Sunday start, which typically isn't always great for veteran teams. <laughs> Toronto's a good city. We've got James Harden on it. Maybe yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it to that. But Maybe Nick it'll sh- reduce up Harden, you know? Maybe that's what <laughs> yeah, he needs. Maybe it will. Maybe it will. I think the news that we have to get to before we finish up, Nick, is the Kyrie Irving update. Eric Adams was on, was it CNN? Speaking to Wolf Blitzer or someone? I think so. I think it was CNN. And we heard basically that, uh, and I quote, New York is not going to change their rules it's up to the NBA and Kyrie Irving to work something out. Now, while I think Kyrie Irving should be vaccinated and basically everyone should get it unless there is some uh, form of valid exemption, 
this coming from a politician who was saying earlier that he's excited about the fact that we'll, we'll see what happens with the Nets, we'll see what happens with Kyrie. My guy gets elected and just like throws all of everything that he says out the window. It's just like, yeah, uh, no wonder people are disenfranchised with modern politics when you've got guys like this. Like, I don't know who Eric Adams is. I only learned about his name the past month, to be frank. But yeah, I'm uh, not happy with him. So, what were your thoughts when you heard this? Um, Nets World seemed to get in a tizzy. Um, I guess it's something that just has to pan out, but. It's not an NBA thing. It is a New York thing, you absolute political goon. Yeah, I think, um, you know, like you said, never trust politics uh, or politicians. And this is an example why. I, I don't think I really had high hopes he was going to play because of this. I always kind of hoped that he would just eventually get vaccinated or, you know, maybe things would change like further down the line. I never expected it to be like, oh, this, you know, Eric Adams gets elected and then instantly it changes. I always felt like it would be something that happened later on anyways. So who really knows? But at the end of the day, you know, the ball is still in Kyrie's court if he wants to get vaccinated and play. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's pretty much that. You know, obviously a lot of vaccination talk in the news today. Don't want to jump into that. But Jack, anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? No, I uh, appreciate everyone showing me some love. Nets World is a is a family to me. So it was it was really cool to see it. Had a good birthday. I'm in my thirties now, early thirties. But as I said, Paul George is playing like an MVP. I'm thirty one. I'm putting up MVP bars on this podcast. <laughs> there you go, Jack. So happy belated Australian birthday and happy American birthday today, Jack. Always a pleasure. Big thanks everybody for listening. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.